0: The following message was given by Raymond Goodlett on Sunday, February 3rd at Redemption Hill Church. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com. If you've been with us, then you know we've, we've actually been uh, going through some of these smaller letters in the Bible. That even though they're small in length, they have some very big truths that they put before us. And as we went through Second John, verse by verse, we saw a few priorities that God has for His church and for His people uh, at all times and in all places. And so we, we looked through, and, and we, we highlighted three of those, that God wants us to, number one, progress in the truth. that number two, God wants us to practice the truth in the way we love one another, and that God wants us to preserve the truth. Not only for the current generation of believers, but for all those who will follow in the generations to come. And today, as we go through 3 John, we're going to see one more priority that God has for the church. Now, we're only taking one Sunday to, to spend in this book, and so we won't really go through it the way we did verse by verse in 2 John, but we will take some time this morning to look through verses 5 through 8. All right, We'll look through verses 5 through 8, and we'll see another priority God has for us as believers, namely that we would proclaim the truth, right? in particular through, through the partnerships that we form in the gospel and through repeated sacrifices. We'll explain that as we go. So he wants us to progress in the truth, to practice the truth, to preserve the truth, and today to, everybody, proclaim the truth. 3 John, verse 1. Lord, help us to listen in a way that would honor you and prepare us to follow Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. Pause for a moment. And by the way, that word brothers is not actually gender specific in the original language. It could include sisters like Sarah. I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers. Strangers as they are who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Pause. The Holy Spirit caused these days to line up where we would be in this text and Sarah would be visiting us. It was not a predetermined plan. It's just neat the way that it's come together by God's providence. Verse seven. You'll do do well to send them on a manner or in, in a manner worthy of God for... They have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. He's like our Demetrius, isn't he? we also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true i had much to write to you but i would rather not write with pen and ink i hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face peace be to you the friends greet you greet the friends each by name Lord, again, help us to see some of the background that led to the writing of this letter. And as we look more closely at verses 5 through 8, help us to understand what you are calling us to do, how you want us to do that, and why you want us to do that. We ask that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Now picture the scene, if you will. I think it went something like this. There was a knock one day on Gaius' door. It was Demetrius. He had a letter from the Apostle John that he was sending to Gaius on John's behalf. Gaius would have opened the door, he would have seen someone he did not recognize and, and Demetrius might have said something like this, hello brother Gaius. It's always a little bit unnerving when you don't know someone and they clearly know you. You feel kinda weird, when you're at a disadvantage. Hello brother Gaius, you don't know me but my name is Demetrius. The elder, the Apostle John, has sent me to you with this letter. And Gaius would have welcomed him in. He would have made sure that arrangements were made to wash his feet and all the other initial things that must be done in a hospitality culture. He would have made sure he was taken care of. And then he would have sat down to read the letter that you and I now know as 3 John, the very first person to ever read that letter. And... He would read it, he would come to verse five, and I want you to, right now, I want us to put ourselves in Gaius' place for just a moment. Now, Gaius is not a 21st century middle-class American. Many of us are. So I'm not suggesting he would have responded or thought this way, but many of us probably do think this way, if you're anything like me. Gaius not too long ago, look at verse three, had hosted a group known as the brothers. Now these brothers had obviously returned to John by this time. It's possible that they had also gone out to see Gaius and enjoyed his hospitality. At least we know they did that. They might have gone over to Diotrephes and received a cold shoulder. So they probably brought that mixed report back to John. Gaius was great. I don't know what's wrong with that Diotrephes guy. I mean, not only is he not going to make the list of most popular baby names anytime soon, but but there's something off with that guy who appears to have had some sort of leadership position in the church, all right? He had enough of a position to put other people out of the church, as we read, or at the very least, even if he didn't have an official leadership position, he was in a very underhanded and manipulative way just doing things behind the scenes in order to get his way. And John says, when I come, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to bring up what he's doing. All right, so these brothers would have gone back to John, given him a glowing report about Gaius. And verse 3 says, I rejoiced greatly, speaking of John, that these brothers came and testified to your truth, that you are walking in the truth. And all of this was despite the fact that Gaius appeared to be less than perfectly healthy at the time. John opens the letter by saying, I pray that you would be in good health, even as your soul prospers, right? So even though he had every reason, because he was probably sick and didn't feel very well, he had every reason, at least in the way that you and I think, to kind of be less than hospitable to those that were sent his way. Gaius did, uh, he he did the thing that that we would expect him to do anyway, all right? So he, he fought through that, and he hosted these brothers, and And then when it was time for them to go back, he would have sent them on their way, no doubt supplying them with everything that they would have needed for the journey. And maybe even more than that, sending them on their way, we would think in a manner worthy of God as they went back to John. So surely if he's a 21st century middle-class American at this point, surely he would say, I've done my part. Right? I've checked the box. I've hosted these men, perhaps these women as well. I've I've supplied all that they needed here. I've given them food and lodging and and shelter and maybe any clothing and, and supplies and I've sent them on their way in a manner worthy of God, no doubt. I can take a break from sacrificing now, right? It's someone else's turn now, right? Right? And then Demetrius shows up. You ever felt like you've done so much, you've looked around, and other people, at least according to your calculation, have not? And it seems like it's your turn again? Just doesn't seem fair? Well, imagine how Gaius was feeling at this point. Somewhere in the letter that he received from Demetrius, he would have come to verse 5 and 6. Join me there. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Now, these brothers are already back with John. And, and I, I've been watching Despicable Me with my kids recently, so I, I, I think Gaius was kind of like grew at this point. Whoa, 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 hold the horses. (laughs) What is all this present tense stuff? What do you mean it is a faithful thing I do in all my efforts for these brothers? That I will do, present tense, well, future tense, to send them on their way in a manner... don't you mean, John, it was a faithful thing that I did? That, that surely must be what John means. It, it was a faithful thing that I did for these brothers. Don't you mean I have done well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God? John, are you, are you, are you asking me to give more and to send these people on another journey? Like me, again, me? After all that time, all that money, all that inconvenience, all that fighting through uh, sickness? I mean, where is McDonald's back then? Don't I deserve a break today? Is that McDonald's? I can never keep those ads straight. (laughs) It's not, is it? Okay, whoever that is. And yet, and yet, the Apostle John writes to Gaius and says, Gaius, I need you, I need you to do it again. See, church, this is, this is the only thing I want to bring home for us this morning. This is a giving church. You are stretched in your time, in your emotional resources and reservoirs, in your, in your money. You're very, you're, it is a faithful thing you have been doing in all of your efforts for these brothers. Gaius would have said, yeah, I'm glad you said all, John, because it's not just one or two, it's all. I've been doing this over and over and over and over again, each time, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of emotion, it's, a, it's everything. I, I'm exhausted. Isn't it someone else's turn? But, Verse nine, look at verse nine. I, I wrote something to the church. I, I mean, I probably was, John was probably trying to spread this out a little bit. I was writing something to the church probably to give other people an opportunity to share in this opportunity to host and to, to send on the journey, but Diotrephes is running interference over there. So you know what, you know what, Gaius? I am coming back to a proven and established and reputable, mature, follower of Christ who has demonstrated his willingness to not put himself first as as Diotrephes does but to put the Lord first others second and himself last because that's what's needed right now to send these on their way in a manner worthy of God what does John ask Gaius to do by implication what does he ask us to do How does he want us to do that and why? Verse six, here is what we should do when friends like Sarah, even if this is the first time you've ever seen her or met her, she is unknown to some of you, strangers as they are, but yet known to us and more importantly, known by the Lord. And we add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. When such people come through and the Lord sends them to us, we have the privilege to form gospel partnerships by way of repeated sacrifice that sends them on their way in a manner worthy of God. We ought to do that. Verse six, you will do well to send them on their journey. Read the support letters that you receive. I wrote those things for over a decade. I know what you do with them when you get them. Do you know how I know? because I know what I'm tempted to do when I get them, right? But at least I have some extra help. It's part of my job to read them, right? So it's, But read those support letters. Consider how you might play a part in sending them. Supply a portion or the entirety of what they need if, if you're so able and God so moves on your heart. John says here in verse eight, look, he says we ought, you see that word? We ought to support people like these. Do you see that? I love that. We should never be afraid. I know we're grace-driven here. We should never be afraid of words that remind us of the fact that we are also guided by things like duty. Okay? Those are are rough, bad words for people who maybe come from legalistic environments, and I don't mean to hash up old wounds, but part of what should motivate us as believers is is good old-fashioned duty at times. There's nothing wrong with that at all. All right? So... We ought to support people like these. It's not duty separated from grace. Grace is, also, is always there in the mix, but, but it, it's grace accompanied by this, this supplementary, I would say, or auxiliary motivation of duty. And that thing is, is every bit a part of God's word as anything else. So we ought to send them on their journey. How? How? Well, one practical way you can do that is by continuing to give to your church. If she left those cards back there, the prayer cards, then then you can pick up one of Sarah's prayer cards. It'll tell you exactly how you can help to send her. Keep giving to the Betty Bristol Fund. That's how we supply what's needed for Adrienne out there long term. We have a young man from VCU, Andrew Phillips. He's going to East Asia this summer with Crew Campus Ministries. Now, all of these things, this is how we send people on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Time would fail me to talk about Brandon and Ariel Witt over in Germany, all the people supported by, by you. All right? But it's a faithful thing you do. Keep doing it more and more. How should we send them out? John says here in verse 6, send them on their journey, everybody, in a manner worthy of God. In a manner worthy of God. Don't just send them. Don't just pray. Don't just contribute. Do so in a manner worthy of God. In a manner worthy of God. Not in a manner that's based upon the perceived worthiness of the individual being sent out. But in a manner worthy of? Of God. Not not in a manner that is based upon your closeness necessarily or the relationship that you have, the personal relationship with that individual. Because sometimes, like in the case for Gaius with with these people he was meeting, these brothers and now this Demetrius, at the time they were strangers to him as they were. Sarah is a stranger to some of you in one sense, not in the, of course, in that spiritual sense where we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, but you've never met her before or heard her, some of you. But yet, we are to send her on her way in a manner worthy of God and not simply based upon the extent of our personal relationship with her at the time. We want to send all of these friends on in their manner or send them on their journey and do so in a manner that is worthy of god and so we ought always to be praying as we send them because that's how we demonstrate that our confidence is in god and not in our own resources or even in the winsomeness and talent of the messenger being sent okay and now finally why should we send them why should we send them like this i'm going to give you three reasons they're all right there in your bible why should we send them like this the Bible says here in verse six, send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, verse seven, for or because. You see this? And he's gonna tell us why. For they have gone out for the sake of the name. It's interesting that 3 John is the only book in the New Testament that does not explicitly state Jesus' name. But you know who we're talking about. They have gone out for the sake of the name, the name of of Jesus, who being in human form, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. Those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth in every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name that every lost soul needs to hear. For there is no other name given among men on heaven or on our earth by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. There is no other name. They went out for the sake of the name and therefore, we're told, we ought to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Secondly, we ought to support these messengers of the gospel because, look again, they have gone out for the sake of the name accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Do you see that? Here's another reason we ought to send them because they're not going to collect donations from the people that they're ministering to. They rely, as they go out, they rely upon the generosity of God's people who already have the life of Christ in them, who are already motivated to proclaim the truth through these partnerships to others who are still without Christ. That is why we ought to support messengers like these, because they've gone out for the sake of the name, and they're not receiving anything by way of normal pay through through other people especially those that they're being sent to. And so we want to, we want to continue to supply all that is needed for their task. And lastly, thirdly, we ought to support people like these, verse eight. Not only they're not taking anything from the Gentiles, but we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. See, God loves to use these gospel partnerships between those who send and those who go in order to reach the lost with the gospel. Whether we're talking about here in Richmond, whether we're talking about to the ends of the earth, and even though Sarah was very specific about where she is, we ask you to be less specific. We could be talking about all the way over there in Central Asia, anywhere on the globe. God loves to use a partnership in the gospel between those who send and those who go to reach the lost. And so he is going to Come to us and say, look, it's time to do it again. I know, I know you've been generous. I know, I know, I know you're stretched, I know. But we have a world to reach with the gospel and the Lord has seen fit to employ us and to, to call upon us for our participation, though he needs nothing from us. And maybe you feel like, that's it, I've done all, I've done all that can be required of me. I mean, I, I serve in children's ministry once every month. You want me to do that more frequently? Yes. Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, it may not be something as you consider everything that's going on that you're able to do right now or willing to do, but if you're asking us if we want you to, then the album, yeah, absolutely. Why? Because we want to take the gospel to those kids too. We want, the, we want the truth to be preserved for them, that they also would be amongst those who proclaim to others. That's what we're trying to pass on. So yeah, we want you to do that again. Well, I just gave to that trip last year. You want me to give again to this kid going to, to, to East Asia? Yeah. Yeah, if, 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 it's, if it's within what you can do, then absolutely we want you to do that. Why not? Why not? Are you supposed to feel guilty if you can't or don't? No. No, but again, if you're asking if we want you to, then, then sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Let's see if we can come together and supply what is needed. Until the end of this age, this is going to be a priority for God's church. He wants us to proclaim the truth through these gospel partnerships and repeated sacrifices, which, in light of the greatest sacrifice made by Jesus, almost feels like no sacrifice at all. I was reading in Genesis recently in chapter 29 and uh, or chapter yeah chapter 29 and it was talking about jacob and he was working for seven years you remember this and at the end of the seven years he he wanted to receive rachel laban's daughter rachel for his bride and so he worked the seven years and then at the end of those seven years of course you you know the story he he received leah instead and then and then the 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 choice came Do, do you do that again I mean, you've worked seven years, you, you're probably a little disappointed, you're, you were expecting something else. Are you really gonna do that again for another seven years in order to have Rachel? And of course he said yes. Yeah, and and what, I, what I love is that the Bible says he loved Rachel so much that the seven years he initially worked for her seemed like only a few days. I lo- See, when you love someone that much, it can make years feel like only days. Yeah, and... And even after you've already given what you think is seven years of effort and you're exhausted, that kind of love can make you say, you know what, I'm gonna do it again. Because the one I love means that much to me. Do you love Jesus so much that although you're stretched and although you've been faithful and although you've already checked all the boxes, you've sacrificed more than any of us could reasonably ask of you, are you willing to do it again when you look at Jesus and remember what he's done for us? And that's what we're asking us all to do as Christians, to look at that and know that as Jesus said, if we cannot renounce all that we have, we can't be his disciple. You know, because, because if we keep following him, he's going to require all that we have. And it is our deepest pleasure to give it to him. He is sixpence, none the richer, after we have given him what we have. You know that saying. It's not just a, a music group. You all know that, right? C.S. Lewis wrote about that in Mere Christianity. It's like when my kids say, Dad, here's a dollar. I'm like, you know, they they want to contribute to the bill for dinner or something. We're we're going to feed you. You're our kids. Here's a dollar, Dad. Oh, That's very nice. Thank you for contributing to our bill. Now, you realize I'm one dollar, none the richer at that point, right? You know where they got that dollar, yes? Okay. We only give to God what he has first given to us. He is always sixpence, none the richer at the end of what we give. So church, let's keep doing this. Let's keep sending Adrienne. Let's keep sending Sarah. Let's keep sending Brandon and Ariel. Let's keep sending young Andrew Phillips at VCU. Let's keep sending the Spurlocks and all the crew campus ministers, the walkers. Let's keep, I could go on. Let's keep doing this. It is a faithful thing that you do. And now I'm going to just tell you that message we send all of our people out with it's the good news it's the gospel I'm just going to share it with you one more time and I'm going to do it just by reading it I'm going to let a young woman in our church she wrote this recently I was so moved by it I'm going to let her preach the gospel for us this morning and I want you to listen and then I want you to respond in your hearts she said "From mankind's first sin onward we all reject and disobey God Our actions and attitudes show that we imagine ourselves to be above Him, which reviles His perfect holiness and worthiness. We're all this way, dishonest, unloving, selfish. Even our so-called best efforts to be good and righteous and just and kind, etc., they're all tainted with selfish motives. And because of this, we can't enjoy the perfect relationship with our Maker that He designed and created for us because he is holy and just he punishes all sin we deserve to be separated from him the only source of goodness but but god loved us so much that he made a way that we could be saved from the punishment we deserve he himself took on that punishment for us the god of the universe became a man jesus He lived the perfect life that none of us could live. The innocent, perfect God took the punishment that we deserved by dying a horrifying, horrible, violent death, but he rose from the dead. He's still there, and so we can be reconciled to him, our maker, the only savior. We can be forgiven and set free from the consequences of our sin because he took those consequences unto himself, He gives this gift of forgiveness freely to all who accept it. Includes all of us here this morning. We need only to recognize our need for his forgiveness and that only his sacrifice on the cross can atone for our sins. And then, we're his. Righteous, redeemed forever. If you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do it right now. You can do it right now. And I said earlier that we ought to put ourselves in Gaius' place. Infinitely more important than that is realizing that Jesus put himself in our place. He took our place on the cross in death so that we might gain a share in life, life eternal. Would you give your hearts to him this morning? There's an old song that goes this way. Alas, and did my savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for sins that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Let's pray that we would all receive that love beyond degree this morning. Lord, help us to, to hear your word this morning and to allow you to continue to stretch us in our faithfulness, in our generosity, in our giving, in our sacrificing bringing all things considered sacrifice to the foot of your cross where they melt away and are put in their proper perspective. Lord, help us to say, we are lowly servants. We have only done our duty. Help us to count it a privilege to partner with those you send our way. Lord, I pray that you would help us to entrust our hearts and souls to you as we seek to proclaim the truth through these gospel partnerships. We're privileged to be participating in and through the repeated sacrifices that are built upon and mere reflections of your own. We ask this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to a message by Raymond Goodlett given at Redemption Hill Church in Richmond, Virginia. For more information on the church and to hear other messages, please visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com.